Okay, welcome to Power Pivots, the podcast where we explore the stories behind the fundamental career shifts and changes that have made all the difference. I'm your host, I go by Hatu, and today we're joined by... You look old, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I love this podcast. I love power. I love pivot. Like, I'm here for it. Listen, and I will be remiss if I do not say that I'm so thankful for everything that you've done for me throughout this whole journey. This would not have been started if you weren't the one to light a fire under my <laughs> ass and to, <laughs> to really put the wheels in motion to do this. So I really appreciate you, and I'm excited to have Thanks you. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. Teamwork definitely makes the dream work. Well, let's jump into it. always like to start the show by asking people about their PowerPoints. PowerPoints are three words or phrases that you feel fundamentally describe you as a person and just embody who you are. So for you, Nicole, what would you say your three PowerPoints are? This is so funny because I actually posted this on Instagram and it actually was in my bio for a hot second. For you, everybody's like, oh, my pronouns are sure. she, her, hers. And I was like, no, my yeah. pronouns are winner, clean, and ball. So that's going to be okay. 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 Winner, queen, and yeah. boss. Boss with the B-A-W-S. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so do you want to tell us why you chose those three as your power? Yeah. So the interesting thing is Nicole actually translates to victory. The name means victorious one or mm. winner, right? So I definitely okay. feel like that's just a big part of who I am. I love to win. I'm not shy about saying it. I mean, who doesn't? But like okay. winning feels good. Accomplishment feels good. Queen, it just means like I run my own thing, right? Like my life is mine and it goes in the direction I pointed in. And, you know, I'm the boss with the sauce. So, you know, there you have it. <laughs> okay. All right. I think it's fairly accurate. I like those. I like those. Well, Nicole, they always say that the story is told in hindsight and hindsight is 2020. So if you could look back with your 2020 glasses, can you give us your hindsight story? Yeah. So I am truly like the sum of my parents. It's crazy. And the older I get, the more I recognize how much I'm like them. So my mom mm -hmm. um, is a retired banker. My dad is a musician. My parents are complete polar opposites, right? Like the banker is very structured and like everything is scheduled and pulled together and organized where the creative is very fly by the seat of the pants, just, you know, flowing with the vibe. And so interestingly enough, I kind of got a little bit of both. And that's kind of been evident throughout like my entire career. I started my career on Wall Street. I graduated from an HBCU, Clark Atlanta. I studied finance and accounting. Okay. I had no idea what I wanted to do outside of working on Wall Street. Got there hated it. So I started moving around doing different things, consulting, still felt a little stuffy though I learned a lot. And then I got into gaming and I was like, oh, I can go to work and have different color hair and show my tattoos and nobody cares. And I really started just liking the vibe of entertainment because I could just show up and express myself and still be taken serious. I've had a bunch of different jobs, traveled all over the world, building offices. Then I moved into cyber. And now I am head of security or director of security engineering at a really cool video game company. And um, yeah, here we are. Cool. You covered a lot there. I uh, definitely want to dive into that. So it sounds like you've had a few different pivots, which I always love when guests are in that kind of situation. Yeah. If you want to highlight 
what you would consider the most impactful or influential for your career? I know that you spoke about going from finance to consulting and going from consulting into information security eventually, which is what you're doing right now and has really accelerated your career. Walk me through like the pivot and like, why was it so important? How did you do it? So the interesting thing is that the pivots were never like a thing that I was like, oh, I want to have this big career change. It didn't work like that. The first big pivot was when I moved from like the risk management consulting into doing what we call shoring, and that's building staffing and managing international centers of excellence. Interestingly enough, I wanted to get promoted. I knew I was ready for promotion. My managers knew I was ready for promotion. But the powers that be, you know, it was just dragging. It was taking a long time. So there was a little frustration. I think it would have ultimately happened. But for some reason, they just wanted me to wait. Well, while waiting, grinding, still showing up and showing out, there was another role that popped up that just looked super interesting. And I applied for it. I got it. And I told the powers that be like, hey, I'm taking this role. Interestingly enough, they then offered me the role they wanted me to wait for. But I decided to pass up on it. And yeah, it's a math something. You know, I think it's actually fascinating being able to use something else to get what you want in that regard. I think sometimes folks think that it's done in a vindictive manner and that it is done maliciously or with malice. Yeah. But it's really interesting that you were able to go find another role and come back. And it's not like you asked for a counter. You just let them know that you're leaving. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, this is a good time for us to promote you and bring you to what you yeah, it's like, if you don't want to lose the talent, do what you need to do to keep the talent. And for me, while the promotion they offered me paid quite a bit more than the role that I was going into, I didn't want to be on a team where I felt like I couldn't trust my leadership, right? Or they only wanted to promote me to compete, you know, with someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. My next pivot was, I worked on that team for years and we had built up a really great program. I had lived overseas for a while. Like we did some really cool stuff and we had kind of maxed out, right? To the industry percentage. We were at like 20% headcount overseas. We weren't going to do much more growth. And a mentor of mine came to me and said, your boss came to me looking for a job. So you need to start looking for a job. And I was like, oh, okay. This team is about to get down. And so I was like, well, I don't want to do operations. I love the risk thing. Like, that's my thing. But I want to learn something new. So what do I want to do? I don't know. So I just went to the job board at work and I typed in risk. And a cybersecurity job was the first one that popped up. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's literally why I'm here. I was not even hip to, like, everything that was happening in the industry, the talent shortage, you know, the lack of representation. I was like, I got to pay my mortgage. So what are we going to do? But it actually turned out to really be like one of the greatest things. And I'm pretty sure that was just nothing but God's hand directed me because I could have not planned it better myself. Brings up something that's really important of like making sure to keep your head on a swivel. I think both of these examples that you've talked about have shown how you're always looking at what's next, right? Or looking at just the overlay of what's going on, right? Because it sounds like things were good in those roles. You were just trying to see what next steps look like or what's coming down the line. And that's what eventually led to you finding out your boss is thinking that this is going to be dissolved soon and found what ultimately ended up being a great career path. Yes. First of all, a couple things. One, my performance was strong. 
right? Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to ask for a promotion or, or seek out promotion, but you're not doing the work that you need to do, right? That thing is justified at that point. And I don't want to ask for favors. The second thing is also like knowing your worth, knowing your value, right? Like yeah. just because I have my eye on this one thing, you know, not being afraid to try something new. In my mind, I thought I was going to be in risk management consulting my entire career, and I was fine with that. And I boss, my then boss was like, if you don't try something different, how do you know that you're not going to like it, right? And so mm. just keeping my head on a swivel, as you said, making sure my performance was strong, you know, keeping an eye out for opportunities that made sense for me at the time, or just knowing what my strengths are and putting that one word into the search bar, like all of those things collectively really helped. And that leads into my next question. A lot of times with these pivots, there are a lot of resources that folks use that they may not remember that they used or may not understand how critical or unknown they are. What would you say were some important resources that helped you do that? Whether it was network, whether there were different forums, whether different courses, how were you able to go into an area that was seemingly tangentially related to what you were doing before and be able to. Okay, big words. So <laughs> the, the first, the very, very first thing was being self-aware, right? Because a lot of the reasons that I was able to make these pivots into different areas was really being able to take a look at the skills that I had built up and the work that I was doing and how that thing would translate into another space, right? So moving into project management, coming out of risk management consulting or audit, I talked a lot in the interview about how running an audit was really like project management, right? And managing timelines and communications and stakeholders and relationships, right? So connecting the dots is super important because you want to walk in there confident. And then you also want to have a plan for the things that you don't have that they want, right? So I don't have this. Here's something a little similar, but here's what I'm going to do to close that gap. So really just being resourceful and leaving no stone unturned. And then the last part of the self-awareness piece is understanding what I bring as a non-traditional candidate that the average person that you're going to interview with does not have, right? Because now that becomes a little bit of the premium or the special sauce that you get from having someone like me in this spot. Network is always like network equals net worse. I've had my managers pick up the phone and call recruiters or call people they know to say like, hey, Nicole is my star. Tagged back to the strong performance. Like, I don't want to lose her, but I know she's going to kick ass at this job, right? Having people who are in positions to say, your boss is looking for a job. You may want to look for a job, right? So having those people who are in spaces and connected to the decision makers, so I know what the heck is going on. Now, when I moved into cyber, into tech, I didn't study technology, right? I took the basic, you know, whatever courses they recommended on the syllabus back in college. But there is a thing called YouTube University, <laughs> number one, right? I also went and took um, an executive certificate program online at Harvard, right? Like, let me just get the foundational. Like, everybody wants to be so sophisticated and expertise. Plenty. The thing that always matches us up in anything is just not having the foundation those right. And so tapping into like those resources and talking to people who actually do the job was a huge, was a huge bit for me. So it's people, 
right? It's self-awareness, it's network, and it's finding like these short online courses. Georgia Tech has a really good online master's degree program for like 10K. And my mom was like, don't go get another degree. You keep changing careers anyway. Like, what's the point, right? <laughs> so, you know, balancing that out was a big piece of the transition. Everything that you mentioned there is so important, right? The transferable skills of being able to make those linkages. Uh, it's all about the linkages, to be honest with you, whether it's transferable skills, whether it's the network that you're using from like previous boss to future boss or even like the knowledge gap as well. Being able to understand like, hey, this is what I've done before. It's similar to this and being able to paint that picture. So I guess talk to me a little bit as someone who has been in this space for a while. We hear so much about information security and cybersecurity, like Give me some insight from your perspective of why this space is so interesting right now and some of the things that we should kind of be looking at or looking forward to. There is nothing we do. There are very few industries, if any, that are not leveraging and many times even relying on technology, right? I grocery shop online. I book doctor's appointments online. We're recording this podcast online. I can literally take my phone, open my car door. I can start my car. Like this is a whole new age, right? And when we think about what that means, it elevates the value of data. Data is being exfiltrated. It's being stolen. It's being sold. It's being encrypted. It's being held for ransom. And that's not only in the workspace, but in the personal space as well. And so now so more than ever, we all have a duty and a responsibility to protect that, right? We're seeing power plants being shut down, colonial pipeline, right? Like we're talking like we're taking companies and resources and utilities and hospitals like offline. The impact of that can be fatal. And so when you think about that, it really presses upon us how important it is for us to be good stewards of technology and good stewards of sensitive data. Do you think that companies overall are at the point where they understand just how much they need to invest in this space or are they getting there or are they still like far off the mark? What do you think? Some are and some aren't. I think it helps that we're starting to talk more about breaches. I think it helps that breaches are starting to happen or not even that they're happening more. We're talking about them more. I think we're in a new age of ransomware where companies are being asked to pay tens of millions of dollars, right, to get their operations back online. Um, and so I think if companies are smart, they're definitely paying attention. But there are definitely some who feel like, oh, it'll never happen to me. And at this point, it's not if, it's when. If that's an area that companies need to focus on or are focusing on, that eventually will trickle down to having to hire more folks in that space, right? So if there are folks who are listening to this, who hear the importance or understand that importance of cybersecurity as the way that you've described it and are looking to take advantage of that new wave of technology or opportunities that will be available in technology, what would you suggest are some of the best ways to get into the industry or pivoted from experienced hires or folks who are maybe like just starting their careers? What, what are some words of advice you give? The first thing is just learn more about cyber in general. I don't mean become an expert, but 
there are different domains of cybersecurity, just do a quick Google search and figure out like what each domain is. Read some job descriptions, like understand what the needs and the desire profile for someone in cybersecurity is. That way you'll begin to do kind of that self-awareness and reconciliation of skills exercise to figure out like, oh, I've probably got a good shot or this is way out on my pay grade. Cybersecurity is not all coding. I maybe have coded once in school and baby, that was it. I, I had no desire to go back. I think the challenge is that I find so many young people that are like, I want to work in cyber. What do you want to do? I want to be an analyst. So what does an analyst do? I don't know. I'm going to need you to go and do a little bit more, right? So be resourceful. Again, do that reconciliation of the skills that you have to the skills that they want to figure out how to get into the industry. And you can come in as a cybersecurity project manager, right? Like there are definitely opportunities for non-technical people to enter the space, but it's a space that is rapidly changing so much that we're all constantly. Another thing too is like joining different cyber communities, right? You've got like women in security and privacy and cybersity and executive women's forum. Like there's so many places because honestly, like we talked about before with like the network and the mentorship, like those are the things that are really going to get your name spoken in the rooms, right? And that's exactly what you want. Correct. Are there any kind of like certifications that people look up on favorably? I mean, obviously every company is going to be different, but are there like certifications that people can like strive to do even if they don't have those jobs that will better position them? So I'm a little spicy when it comes to certifications. And here's why. Okay. Because there's the thought of theory and then there's the thought of execution, right? It's like when you start a new job, you can go to like new hire training and learn all these things. But there's so much learning that's going to happen when you're in the job. Even with college, we go to school, we learn all this book knowledge. And let me get to the job and it's just like our head explodes. So I think there is something really, really powerful about experiencing things as opposed to just studying and getting a cert. Now, that doesn't mean that there are no certs that I recommend. I think a good foundational certification is the Security Plus certification. Cloud security is typically where across the entire industry we're seeing the most investment. So getting like AWS Cloud Practitioner or architect cert could be really good. However, I also like to encourage people to, again, be resourceful and start where you are. Like in whatever job that you have, you're leveraging technology. Maybe you create your own stretch assignment where you become a cybersecurity ambassador or create a security program or a learning exercise or experience for that team, right? Like somebody who's done that is going to impress me way more than somebody with a certification, right? But somebody with both, that definitely changes the game. See, exactly. It's that linkage. Right. It's a pivot. It's not a That's link. right. Or does it have to be? And one is a lot easier to do yeah. than the other. Ask my niece. Yeah. <laughs> Ask my niece. <laughs> Ask my niece. But that is definitely very, very helpful, right? Especially as someone who has hired a bunch of these folks and kind of looked at a bunch of profiles. I think that the hardest part where people are going through the process of trying to pivot is like, how do I get my application drawn or noticed? Uh, and it seems like one, you mentioned before, looking through job descriptions and seeing exactly what they want. And especially for something like this space, something that could be quantified, but two, even if you're not in this space, taking initiative, doing things that are security 
focus or center for your team because like I said, it's everywhere. Yeah. So just showing that interest. I know that you have varied interests and varied other engagements that you participated outside of work that are geared towards cybersecurity, right? Whether it's teaching, whether they're e-learning courses, uh, things of that nature. How have you been able to embark on some of those engagements? And then how crucial was you having pivoted to the space in being able to make that another stream of profile uplifting or income? So I promise you, the more I sit into a few had to, the more I realize like how much my life is just like slip and fall into things because I don't plan. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So the crazy part about the whole speaking thing was was a company I was working for and they had asked me to participate in like this panel for like diversity and some program they were doing. And I really did really, really well. Um, Like there was great engagement and like interest from the audience. And they kept asking me to come back and do more and more. And so I said that to myself, I said so. If this company is trusting me to represent them, I must be doing a good job. So why can't I represent myself and my thoughts and my opinions in the same manner? And so that's when I decided to toss my hand out at speaking. And it just, it took a few years to like really build up the profile in the company. But about year five, year six, that's when things like really, really took off. And then everything else that I've done has really just been a kind of like a remix or repurposing of speaking. The podcast, my podcast is Urban Girl Corporate World. That was really about being kind of like a calling card for the speaking engagement. And then that translated into building courses for LinkedIn, right? Because I had built up this audience. And then there were a lot of things that I had learned the hard way throughout my career. When I started talking to the deans at my alma mater, we decided to have a project where I actually built this curriculum for the students. So everything just kind of all connected, but it worked out really well. How the pivot helped is a lot of the talks that I used to do used to be based on like performance or DE&I, but coming into a much more niche space of cybersecurity is way more profitable, way more successful. So it definitely helped with the uplift. What I'm getting from that is really the more niche you can make yourself and the more exclusive your content comes off as is like the best way to be able to make sure that folks are interested in booking you, right? And then you're able to uplift the profile of some of the stuff that you're doing outside of work to be able to use that. That's definitely something that's very interesting because unfortunately, it seems like a lot of times folks get stuck. And thinking that whatever they're doing for W-2 mm-hmm. or their major source of income is all the money that they can make. Yeah. I know that you're a very, very busy person, <laughs> right? But we've talked before about your aggressive list making, right? And like checking calendars of every day of like how you're making your list to make sure that you're getting your to-do list done. But just want to know a little bit about how you manage your time through all these things. Because you do a lot. I'm <laughs> talking about the stuff that you do. You do a lot. So how do you manage all of that to make sure, like you said, performance is key, that you're delivering well on all those different things? Yeah. Low key, I've been doing the most and I've actually had to get it wrong. And here's why getting it wrong is okay. I started my company in 2015 and it wasn't, it didn't really, really hit until like 2021. So when you've been grinding for six years, And then everything like pops off. You're like, oh, yes, I'm going to do everything. 
And then by the end of that year, I was like, okay, 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 it's cool, it's cool. And then 2022 came and it kept going even bigger. And by the end of 2022, I was burnt out. I was tapped out. And so I realized like, okay, I've hit my max. And so there's always this adjustment. And so now my new adjustment for 23 is I'm being more number one, intentional about what I commit to. And secondly, as I'm like committing to things, I'm spacing them out, right? I don't take on any of my company projects January and February. I don't take on anything during the summer. And everything that I'm doing, I have literally like spaced out all the way through October. So that way I'm just not overwhelmed. So that's kind of the macro level. The micro level is people talk about balance. I don't even know if there's such a thing as balance as much as there is prioritization. So that's where the list comes in. Like, what are the things that I need to get done? I'm blocking time on my calendar for heads down work and other things, right? Holding myself accountable and just adjusting as I see fit and giving myself grace because I don't get it right every So so it's a constant exercise. I think that's helpful, right? Just noticing burnout is very real. Mm -hmm. It's harder to come out of than the planning that it takes to avoid it. I'm glad that you set the boundaries after having that experience. Yeah. You've noticed that the gotta catch them all is not the best, best method. Go. Do you set goals for yourself? Well, I want to be able to have revenue of X and cut it off after that, or I want to be able to do as much as I can within this time constraint and use that. Like, what is the best way that you think to balance? It all depends on what you want. So for me, my goal with the speaking was like, ultimately, this is something I want to do. Like, this is my retirement plan. Like, when I'm tired of working in corporate, as much as I aspire to be a woman of leisure, I will be bored if I sit at home and nothing. And so it's like, how do I turn my passion into a career, right? Or how can I just have fun making money? And so for me, I had literally sat down and like calculated like what my expenses are and like, okay, if I want to live a life at this level, X is the number that I need to make. I'll divide that number up by 12. And I was like, okay, if I do a speaking engagement every month and charge this, then I can make this, right? And maybe I did a lot of free stuff. So I didn't necessarily book them all paid, but I booked Actually, that year I booked 13 instead of 12. 12 was the goal. I booked 13. So no, I don't stop when I hit the goal. And then sometimes the goal shifts to be less about bookings and then it becomes more financial. Like, okay, I want to make X amount or I'm starting to book now, right? I want to get my pricing strategy together. And the next year may be okay. I mean, X last year, I want to make 3X this year. This year strategy is more about I want to make more and work less, and I want to be more selective about the things that I choose to take on and create some time for myself and not burn out. So it always changes. Right. It depends on where you are in that journey. That optimization. That optimization. Yeah. yeah, and definitely get it. Well, what advice, looking back, pre-pivot would you give yourself, right? And in that same token, post-pivot, which I guess is like right now, what advice do you constantly give yourself to be able to keep on? Yeah. Pre-pivot, I would have encouraged myself to be more open, right? I was on a one-track path, and had I decided to stick to that path, my life would be nowhere what it is now. So definitely be more open. As I look at where I am now, the advice that I would actually give myself is to actually think bigger, right? Like, I think 
got thing pretty damn big, right? Pretty big, they yeah. They got thing pretty big. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I notice is like, you know, you work, you work, you work, you, you have a goal, you, you meet the goal, and by the time you get to the goal, you're like, eh, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's like, as I start to think about, okay, what's next? Like, challenge yourself to think 10x of what yeah. the current goal is. We limit ourselves so much. And I think we often surprise ourselves with what we can accomplish. Hmm. I love that. Dream big, think big, but put the motion into mm-hmm. it, right? The action that be planned out to be able to get to those big yeah. dreams. For you, Nicole, what would you say is next? Like, what are you excited about? I know you got something to promote. I got a whole bunch of damn stuff. Too much. Exactly. So, Too much. Let's let talk about it. it. I am dropping two LinkedIn courses, two additional LinkedIn okay. courses. I have two. I'm going to drop two more later this year. One on cybersecurity on ransomware and another on performance excellence in the workplace. Everybody wants to get promoted. Everybody wants to die, but we got to do the work. So what does that look like? So I'm happy to break that down. I'm also working on some more podcast projects, specifically partnerships. So Urban Girl Corporate World is launching podcasting as a service this year. So we've got some exciting podcast partnerships with different organizations that are near and dear to me that we're working on. And then I'm learning how to fly planes. So I'm trying to become Captain Nicky. Uh, okay. We looked at a lot to come up in the giving. <laughs> oh my gosh i hope they have a runway at the I office for you but be right in the quad trying to look <laughs> if you fly in one day i'm going home <laughs> i'm gonna be like this is too much i'm going home i'm like this is too much i i, I must have woken up on the wrong side of the bed this must be a treat but no on a serious note that's awesome though that's awesome it is amazingly scary it is uncomfortable it is outside of my comfort zone but again this is like think bigger i never thought i would fly a plane but like you know yeah. hell why not why not why not exactly dream big right and then double and that turn dream. up and then turn up well what would you say are on a last note some parting words of wisdom that you would give folks and if you want to center it around career pivots just overall when things are going well but you know, just making sure that you're being cognizant of your surroundings or advice towards like information security or outside engagement based on what you're doing. What would you give us parting words of wisdom? There is a significant talent shortage in cybersecurity, right? Like I think there are over like 3 million (laughs) open jobs in cyber. So we need talent. And so whatever you can do to figure out how to position yourself for one of those opportunities, you need to do it. And I think we talked a lot how to early in the episode about the strategy that I use. It's obvious that it works. So don't be afraid to rinse and repeat. The second thing is if you have a dream, if there's something that you're good at, there's something that you want to do, go for it, right? Your nine to five is not it. Like it's great. It's good. But you have much more capacity. Most millionaires have multiple streams of income. So if acquiring wealth is something that you want to do, you know, this is a good part of the journey to get there. And don't be afraid to put in the work, right? Like I started my company in 2015 and it didn't pay until 2020. 2020, I think I made $500, right? But like when 2021 and 2022 came into play, 
things shifted, but it wasn't an overnight success. It was it was a long grind. So winners never quit. Quitters never win. And there we go. There we go. Well, there you have it, y'all. Well, there you have it, y'all. Nicole, thank you so much for sharing all this. With Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe for more. Most important, pivot powerfully. Be well, y'all. Mm-hmm.